What's up guys, Pastor John here. We pray that this message encourages you in your faith journey and we believe that God has an incredible plan for your life and our hope is that tools like this sermon will help you become who he has created you to be. Now listen, in order to truly flourish and thrive like God intends for your life, it takes community. What I mean by that is we don't believe that simply by attending church online alone that you're going to be able to become every bit of who God has created you to be and who you want to be to grow spiritually, you need other people. And we would love to help you connect with other people right here at Greenhouse. True growth happens when we're rooted in a community that supports, uplifts, and walks alongside us. And so with that in mind, we would love for you to join us in person on Sundays right here at Western High School or in microchurches throughout the week. Um, listen, if you don't live near our church here in South Florida, please reach out to us. We would love to help you find and thrive in a local faith community near you. We're excited to partner with you as we all become passionate followers of Jesus. God bless you. If you don't know me, if I'm a stranger to you, my name is Malik. I currently serve as one of the pastors here at Greenhouse Church, South Florida, currently serving as a pastor in residence, and I'm excited to continue our Open Heaven series with everybody today. Everybody say Open Heaven. Right? Sounds kind of weird and spooky. No, it's just a series through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're examining what Paul was writing to some of our brothers and sisters as they were going through some of the things they were going through. Now, if you've never read the book of 1 Corinthians, that's fine, let me catch you up to where we are. A couple hundred years ago, there was this church planted, and they were a very young church, but they had some issues. Everybody say issues. One of the issues that this church had revolved around celebrities and success. They really, really wanted to be successful, and they really, really loved celebrities. It's almost as if they had influencers or something weird like that. And so they were obsessed with these people to the point that they would argue in the middle of their services about these people. And then when they were done arguing about these people that they really liked, they would flex on each other with each and every, each and every person's definition of success. This person had more money. This person had more going on. This person loved Jesus more. They just wanted to flex on somebody about everything. This church had a few problems. But they aren't the only church with problems. We have problems. Everybody has problems. However, we're going to examine today what Paul says about this church. If you could turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and jump to your feet for me, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible or if you don't want to use your phone, that's fine. But I'll read it for us. It says, a person should think of us in this way as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. It is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I am not conscious of anything against me, but I'm not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. So don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes who will both bring to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. And then praise will come to each one from God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have preserved throughout time and history your words to us. So God, as we listen to your word today, God, help me decrease so that you may increase. Help us all to hear from you more clearly more pointedly, and let us leave here loving you more than we walked in here with. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You can have your seats. 
if I can ask you a question, I have a small one and a big one. I'll ask the small one first. Do you want to be successful? Okay, right? Everybody's like, right, right, right. Do you want to be successful? Right? Everybody's like, yeah. Somebody's like, no, duh. Like, why are you asking me such a weird question? Who doesn't want to be successful? I'm sorry. Anyway, so we all want to be successful. That's fine. Honestly, success is beautiful. We all attain it. We all want to chase after it. However, I'll ask you a secondary question. Is trying to be successful exhausting? Right? It is exhausting trying to achieve this thing we're chasing. So I really do have a big question that I would like to ask and answer, hopefully, for us today. The big question is this. How do you become successful? Right? Like, how, how does it happen? Because depending on your culture or your family of origin, it means something different to each of us. Depending on how you grew up, success could be that you are an engineer or lawyer or you work in the medical field. Depending on how you grew up, success could be having a big family. Depending on each and every one of us, we have this differing vision and version of success. And if we're real, we can't seem to quite get there. If we're real, when we knock off the first 17 goals on our lift, we can come up with 10 more. Success seems to be this elusive reality that we can't actually get to. That's why it's so exhausting. How do we become successful? I love it because the Bible has a solution to all of these problems. There is no problem that we run into that doesn't have its end in the Bible. Everyone wants to know how do we become successful? The reality is, like we just, I asked and we all answered, everyone wants to be successful. No one in this room wakes up and is like, I just want to suck at everything I do. I just don't want to do well. I really don't want to go anywhere. I don't want any advancement. No one, e even if your idea of success is people leaving you alone, we all want something. Everyone wants to be successful. If I can age myself, when I think of the word success or successful, it reminds me of a song I heard growing up. Uh, this was about maybe 2009 when this song came out. This song is a platinum level hit, was on the billboard chart for 100 for that entire year. These two guys got together and they hopped in on the song, Trey Songs and Drake. They wrote this song. That's not a hymn, you can't find me later. But jump back with me, 2009. We're on our radios, you might have an iPod or iPod Shuffle, it's 2009. If you're like me and you have always hated Apple, you had a Microsoft Zune because you weren't gonna deal with the Apple stuff, right? Okay, put your hands down, that's fine. <laughs> I'm going home after this anyway. But imagine, the music is playing or if it's, or it's on the radio because we still listened to radios back then. It's on the radio and the song spins up and the beat drops and Trey Song stops on and Trey Song says, I want the money. Money in the cars, cars in the clothes, I suppose. I just wanna be, I just wanna be successful. And he says, no, 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 he says, I want the money, the money in the car, the cars and the clothes, I suppose. I just want to be, I just want to be successful. This is a platinum song. Why? Because everyone wants to be successful. All the versions of this song on YouTube have over 20 million views each. And they're uploaded by several different parties. And in this song, 
we get to the root of what we all want. We all want to be successful. But as they keep singing the song, it takes a turn that I didn't expect it to take. Because I'm listening to it, and I'm looking through the comments, and people are like, I remember back when I was broke, and this song helped give me the drive to make something happen. God bless it. I remember when I had a dream, and the song helped me achieve it. Absolutely. It's a great song. It's a banger, right? Like, it is a fire song. But Drake hops on for his verse, and when Drake sung his verse, I had an aha moment. Drake says, they be staring at the money like it's unfamiliar. I get it. I live it. To me, there's nothing real or just enough to solve your problems, but too much will kill you. Wait, what? This, this is not about success. <laughs> you see, here's the problem. We know that our definition of success will kill us. We know it. We work every day to climb the rung of the ladder that we see currently killing the VPs in that position. We, love, we see the influencers and every day another one like takes off social media and they hate it and we're like, but I want to be an influencer. Maybe I could do it differently. Maybe if I see the mistakes they're making, I can make it work. Okay. And we chase it and this, this dream of success kills us. It kills us because it isn't a good enough definition. It kills us because it's always a moving target. A few weeks ago, Pastor John did this analogy on the stage and he had this really long rope. And on a little bit of the rope, he had it taped off and he was like, this little bit that I've taped off is your life. And the rest of the rope extended off this stage. The issue is, when we run into success, we only focus on the smallest portion of our lives. None of us have a goal that is more than 20 years out. Right, we said we have five, 10, we have stretch goals, 15 year goals, we have smart goals. Most of us don't think with eternal goals in mind. And when we don't do that, we have this skewed version of success. Any version of success that isn't rooted in something that is actually eternal, is it really worth it? But we still chase it, right? We still chase success. But here's a question, if I was to say, hey, I have something for you to eat. It is incredible. You would love it. It might kill you. But it's incredible, and I think you should eat it. Y'all would call the police on me. Y'all say, look at this pastor, another cult leader. Look at him, lost his mind again, giving us the Kool-Aid. Why? Because I've told you, this is great, but it might kill you. And everyone in their right mind would go, I'm not eating that. And if you don't get out of my face with that, I'm going to hit you. And so we would have this reaction to it. But that's not our reaction to our view of success. When I said our view of success would kill us, everybody went, mm -hmm, absolutely, absolutely. And we're going to go to work in the morning. And we're going to try to climb the corporate ladder that we said 24 hours ago would kill us. There is something interesting that happens in between our definition of success and us attaining it. And Paul is pointing to these Corinthian believers and he's like, hey, success is great. Honestly, success is beautiful, but how we define success can be deadly. Right? Success isn't a problem. How we define it can be deadly. If we define success by some very temporal things, like the song said, it'll kill you. If success is having a family, great, family's beautiful. God's given us that. But if that's where you get to the end of your rung of the ladder, it'll kill you. 
If success is a career goal, it'll kill you. If success is a financial number, it'll kill you. If success is getting along with everybody, ain't gonna happen, it'll kill you. There is nothing, you name it. And there is a way that that thing on your list of success can turn around and bite you. Success is great, but how we define success can be deadly. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he gives us two case studies of success. There is success as approval, and there is success as ease. Success as approval, and success as ease. So what does Paul say about success as approval? It's actually what we read earlier. Paul says, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It's the Lord himself who will examine and decide. Paul had gotten to this place where he realized that by the time he wrote this letter, these Corinthians was never going to like him. He's he's writing it. He knows they're going to have beef with me forever. Paul had understood that their approval didn't mean he was doing a good job. Can I tell you a secret? That's not a secret. People are fickle. And I was growing up, we said people are trifling. Right? Like, trying to please people is the most annoying thing we can do. Why? Because if your version of success depends on whether or not people like you, you will never be successful. Because for some of us, success will be, oh, you know, see, when I get this problem, when I get this progress and this position, everyone around me will finally see and value and respect me. And you get there and they still don't. Or you get there and half of them do and half of them don't. Or you get there and the people who you wanted to respect you do, but now other people don't like you. Why? Because when we live a life where success and people's approval is the goal, we will kill ourselves. It will kill us. See, there's success as approval, but it's not only external, it is internal. For a lot of us, we think that success will come when I finally get to the identity I believe I have inside of me. We believe success will come when I fulfilled all my dreams and all my goals, and I have, in everything I have, become successful by my own definition. I'll ask you this. Has your definition ever changed of what success is? Right? I said people are fickle. We are fickle. As individuals, in and of, I don't trust myself in my own definitions of things. Have you, anybody ever, ever been wrong before? Raise your hand if you've ever been wrong before. Some of y'all didn't raise your hands and I'm not talking to y'all because y'all scare me. You never been wrong in your life? Terrifying. You're wrong now. Um, <laughs> right? But there, there's this thing. Like we get it wrong. See, when we try to live life by our own estimations of success, it is still exhausting. You ever been tired of yourself? Right? Like it is exhausting. You've been tired of other people? Yes. Success can't be based on other people's approval. It is exhausting. So where can success be based in? Well, Paul gets to the solution. Paul figures out ultimately where our success should lie. Paul ends 1 Corinthians 4 and he says, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 4 and he says, It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. Paul says, hey, I can't even judge myself accurately. Paul says, I think I'm doing well, but I don't really know. But there is someone who can examine me and decide on my success. 
that person, Paul, ultimately says is the Lord. So that is our first case study. Their success as approval. And if you're not a people pleaser, you're like, okay, fine. I don't care what people think about me anyway. But there's also success as ease. There is this version of success where we have worked so hard and achieved so much that we can just take it easy. We've worked and we think we get to the end of it and we've achieved everything. And you're like, finally, oh my gosh, I'm done. And then we see people who retire and they don't know what to do. They've figured it all out. They retired. They were a CEO for 20 years. They did it. And then they retire. And they're like, I can finally rest and relax. And then they annoy all of us. Why? Because we never know how to relax. There, there is no easy life. If anything, for most of us, success as ease is really just success of being unbothered. We don't really want to do the hard work anymore. See, for many of us, success as ease is a lot more like being a babysitter than it is like being a parent. It's a lot like, you see, I dealt with the problems for a little bit, and now I'm done. I'm going to send you on with your owners, and I'm done with this. That's how we treat our jobs. I, I was successful in my job, and I'm done. Y'all deal with this. I'm going home. By all means, me too. It's okay. Maybe not. We'll see. But there is this success thing where we just want to chill, and even that doesn't satisfy us. You see, we get the money, and we get the boat, and we get the yacht, and we figure it out, and then we're miserable on the yacht, we're miserable with the money, we're miserable with the kids we wanted, we're miserable because we don't have to work anymore. There has to be something more to life than people-pleasing and accumulation and ease in retirement. This Western world has caused us to think that success has to come from these other factors. Yet all of us, if we're honest, are exhausted from chasing what we thought would fulfill us. And every time we find something that would fulfill us, we are exhausted because we get it and it didn't work. We got the thing and it didn't work. We got the promotion and now we're unhappy. We got the spouse and now we're frustrated. We've, we, we got the money in the bank and now we have nothing. To, there is something purposeless about our definitions of success. And it's not just a y'all problem, it's a me problem. I often have a bad time defining what success will be. Uh, this might have been last weekend, we were up in Gainesville at the Greenhouse Conference, which is just our big family reunion. And we're at the Greenhouse Conference, and one of the things that makes this conference great is there's just a lot of prayer going on. People just praying all the time. Like, y'all got enough to do. They're just praying all the time, and it's beautiful. But we have these things at the conference where you can kind of sort of submit your name and people will pray for you. And they will just see if the Lord has anything on his heart for you. I thought that would be a good idea this year. Little did I know I was going to cry all night, but that's fine. So I submitted my name and I sit down in front of these three beautiful disciples and they're like, hey Malik, here's what we feel the Lord has for you. Now, pause. That can sound really spooky. You don't walk in this room and somebody gives you lottery numbers or nobody says your firstborn child is. That's not what we do. That's weird. What we do is say, here's what we think is on the Lord's heart. You determine if that fits for you. And so I sit down in this chair and she said, hey, here's what we think is on the Lord's heart for you. And it definitely was on his heart. <laughs> so we're sitting there and they start going down and they're like, hey, Malik, here's what we see about you. And I'm like, who told you that? I don't even know you. And I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> so, so I see it, and we're going down, and I hit a wall because they called out my definition of success. See, I might look like a bright and bubbly personality. I'm an introvert. 
I don't like talking to people. I turn my phone off on purpose. Like, oh no, I missed your call. <laughs> right, like that's just not me. And for me, success is the opposite of this. For me, success is a cabin in the woods with really good internet and no one knows where I am. <laughs> Look, oh, okay, we all, we're all on the same page. I love it. <laughs> right, like that, that's what, that's what success, success is, being unbothered. To me, success is not only being unbothered, but not bothering nobody else. You mind your business, I'm going to mind mine. That's what success is to me. Success honestly looked a lot like not fulfilling God's call on my life. Success for me would to, do, to be the exact opposite of what God wanted me to be. And so that's why I cried. I cried because I recognized that his plans for my success were bigger than mine. I cried because I recognized that when I define success my way, I actually aim too low. You see, the problem isn't that the world makes us aim for success that's too high. The problem is the world makes us aim for success that's too low. The world tells you to earn a lot of money and accumulate riches to satisfy yourself. The Bible says to earn a lot of money and to accumulate riches to love your neighbor as yourself. See, the Bible doesn't have a problem with you being successful. It has a problem with what your definition of success does to you. The world's definition of success makes us selfish and greedy. It makes us self-absorbed and all-consuming. The Bible's definition of success makes you selfless and generous. It makes you self-forgetting and loving. The Bible doesn't say you can't accumulate. The Bible says you can't hoard. Those are two very, very different things. By all means, get your success. Just get it and do what God wants you to do with your success. Own your company. Become the CEO. But when you're the CEO, make the company look more like the kingdom. When you get to the top of the ladder, reach down and pull other people up. Don't kick it down so no one else can get up there with you. God isn't against success. He's against evil. And oftentimes, what success does to us is it corrupts us and makes us evil. We hear these stories of people who started out altruistic. And when they started their companies, they had this vision of helping and saving the world. And now they're the richest people in the world, and they find every way to not pay their employees minimum wage. What happened? They got what they wanted. They just wanted the wrong thing. So Paul's case study presents to us success as approval and success as ease. And, but he talks to the Corinthians, and when he talks to them, he says, honestly, the issue is a lot of you in, in Corinth think you've arrived. You think you've figured it out. You think you are successful. Paul says you think you already have everything you need. You think you're already rich. You think you have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you were really reigning already. For then we could be reigning with you. Paul, if you haven't realized, gets a little disrespectful sometimes, but it's okay. A little sarcastic, just like me. It's fine. But so Paul says, ah, y'all got it figured out. Your definition of success is perfect. You're incredible. Oh, I wish I was just like you. Paul says, I can't wait to be like you. Paul says, look at you with your little success. You figured it all out. That's great. And Paul says, that's not it. 
Paul says, if you were as successful as you thought you were, I wouldn't need to be writing you this letter. Paul said, if we were as successful as we thought we were, that hole in our hearts would still would be filled. If we were as successful, we would be satisfied. If we were as successful, we would stop searching. Paul says, the problem is, you think you've got it figured out, but you're still searching. Our definitions of success will never fill the holes in our heart. My definition of success will never let me feel like I am doing what I have been created to do. None of our definitions will do it. Not mine, not yours, not your mama's, not your daddy's, not your favorite podcasters. Nobody's definition of success for you will do it. So there is another and a bigger and a better definition of success. If you ever Google the word success, it always is a picture of someone climbing a mountain. I Googled it this week. It's just people going up hills. It's, a, it's an arrow pointed up this way. It's a ladder. It's people. It's like all the designers of the world have the exact same view of what success is. Google it. When you get home, the reception here is terrible. But when you get to your car, Google it. It is just an arrow pointing up. It is a bar graph. It is a young lady with heels climbing up a ladder. That's what success is to the world. The problem is that the Bible defines success differently. The Bible defines success as a path to the bottom and not a climb to the top. The Bible defines success as getting lower, like not you thinking less of yourself, but you thinking of yourself less. Jesus said the greatest among you will be a servant. The greatest will be the least among you. Success has to be found when we, after getting what we have, go to the bottom. See, here is the definition of success. I asked earlier, what is success? How do we, how do we attain it? How can we become successful? I'm going to give you the answer. If you're taking notes, great. If you're not, that's fine too. Here's success. True success can only be found when we are servants and stewards. The big idea, here it is. True success can only be found when we are servants and stewards. Those are just two really big Bible words that nobody says anymore. And that's fine. I will help us by defining these words for us. You see, now a steward, well, now a servant, is someone who lives to put their lives, who lives their lives to serve the needs of others. A servant is someone who says, hey, I know I have something going on, but I love you enough to serve you. You see, I think oftentimes in our lives, we all want to be the main character. We all want to exude main character energy. We want the story to be about us. We, we, we think about it in our minds. We often act like someone's following us, like there's a camera over our shoulders, like this is a weird episode of The Office and it's all about you. That, that's how we live. And we talk in the mirror like there's, a, like there's a crowd in front of us and we cook in our kitchens like we're on a cooking show. Like we all want to be the main character of something. Beautiful. Being a servant is recognizing that there is a bigger main character. Being a servant is recognizing that this is God's TV show. And we are serving him as we do it. Now, the word for servant here is not slavery. It is a servant. It's not people pleasing. It is God pleasing. Being a servant isn't 
throwing your needs in the garbage and hurting yourself for the sake of other people, that is slavery. That's toxic. Being a servant is giving your all to God, and by an extension, you will become a blessing to people. Being a servant is serving him, and as you serve him, he will tell you when and how and why to bless other people. See, the Bible's message for servanthood isn't often what Western Christianity has painted as false humility. The Bible's definition for servanthood isn't this thing where you are toxically abused by people around you. No, no, no. The servant in the Bible is strong. The servant, according to Jesus, is strong because they care more about God than they do about everybody else. Paul loved Jesus so much, he wrote this letter to this church knowing they wouldn't like him. But he wrote the letter because he served God. He didn't serve their approval. He didn't serve their opinions. We have to become servants. But I said true success is found on our servants and stewards. So now here's a steward. A steward is someone who is faithful with the things they have been given. That's it. God has given us a lot. All he's asking for you to do is to serve him and be faithful with what he's given you. If he's given you the intellect and the wherewithal to become a CEO, be faithful with what he has given you. If he's given you the ability to become a Supreme Court justice, be faithful with what he has given you and serve him in the middle of it. Our definition of success is exhausting because we spend so much time trying to become creators of our success. When God is asking us to become curators of success, those are different words. If you're not like me, you don't read a lot of books, let me help you. A creator is the person who makes something happen. They create it. A curator upkeeps that which already exists. God has given you everything you need to be successful in his call in your life. You are called to curate it well. You are called to steward it well. Not to make it happen, but when he makes it happen, to glorify him in it. That you are called to curate the success that God has given you. True success can only be found when we are servants and stewards. Here's how Paul illustrates this. Paul is writing and he uses this particular Greek word for what it means to be a servant. It's this word huperetes and it, it translates to being an under rower. What's an under rower? Well, I'm glad you asked. An under rower is someone who is at the bottom of a big boat rowing in a team of several people, several dozen people, and they are rowing the boat together to get to the same end. An under rower isn't the person that is running the ship. They are at the bottom moving the ship in a particular direction. Do me a favor. Imagine yourself on a cruise. It's okay, just fine. Imagine yourself on a cruise. John is excited, he about to leave today. Imagine yourself on a cruise. Take it in, the ocean breeze. You're on this big, beautiful boat. Imagine yourself. Did anybody imagine yourself in the engine room? No, that's weird. I imagine my, <laughs> Billy. <laughs> right, other than Billy, nobody imagined themselves in the engine room. We're all in a luxurious stateroom with Egyptian cotton seats and we're splayed out on the deck with a virgin margarita in hand. 
right? And, and, we're, and we're excited and we're enjoying it because that's what it looks like. Paul is saying, no, the real fun is in the engine room. Paul's saying the real fun for your success isn't in the relaxation, it's in making the mission happen. See, the under rowers were at the bottom of this boat and they were rowing together as a team. But how did they get on beat? Everybody do me a favor, everybody clap. One, two, three, clap. One, two, three, clap. He's messing it up, he's messing it up. <laughs> right, you see? <laughs> right, not under rower. Right, you see? There was somebody whose job it was under the bottom of that boat to keep everyone on the same page. That person set the tone. And so when they said a row, everybody rowed. Almost like when I said clap, everybody clapped. They're going to do it again. Ready? I'd have moved my hand again. See, that's what, that's what happens to us. You see, we try to get in this rhythm and we get ahead of the beat of what the person's giving us. We're going to try it one more time. Ah! All right, one last time, one last time. Ready? I'm going to say it. Row. Clap. Clap. Ah! We're done. It's fine. It's okay. We'll get it later. It's okay. It actually illustrates my point quite beautifully. Jesus is giving us the beat to the drum. He is saying, go. 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 And we attempt to get ahead of him. And oftentimes we mess up what he is doing because we don't only want to be an under rower, but we want to be a captain. He said, no, 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 no. Success is being an under rower. Let me be the captain. Why? Because the person in the engine room can't see what's going on ahead of them. Even in your stateroom on this luxurious boat, even on the deck with your margarita, you can't see what's ahead of the boat. The only person who can see it is the captain. The only person who has access to radar and telemetry is the captain. The only person who has access to the storms that are coming your way is the captain. And if we misalign ourselves with his beat, we will row ourselves into trouble he hasn't had for us. Success isn't getting your dreams met. Success isn't being in control of your own life like it was to me. Success is rowing to the beat that he is giving you. And that's it. It's just rowing. It might be slower than you want it to, but it's just rowing. You might not get where you want to get, but it's rowing. See, this question beat me up this week, and I asked myself this question. Malik, if none of your dreams came true, and at the end of your life, God said, well done, would it be enough? No. I'm going to be real. I'm not lying to people. Right? But think about it. If everything we planned failed, but God looked at you and said, you did everything I wanted you to do, would it be enough? I encourage us to wrap our definitions of success in his definition of us. Here is the application. Here's what I want us to do. It's a very simple question I want us to ask ourselves. The question is simple. God, where are you leading and how can I serve? Not, God, what's the next open door? He ha he'll figure that out. He's a captain. God, where are you leading and how can I serve? True success is following his lead 
and serving everyone he tells us to along the way. That's what true success is. God, where are you leading and how can I serve? How does this look practically? 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Success is not just talking about it. It's being about it. It's not just championing justice in society. It's embodying justice in the way you live your life. It's not just claiming for everyone else to be loving. It's loving in the way you live your life. Success is embodying everything that God has given you and doing with it what he is asking of you. And that might sound very controlling on God's part. But like I said earlier, he actually sees what's going on. God knows that if we get success the way we want it, it will be detrimental. But it's also because he was humble enough to deal with it himself. Worship team, y'all can come out, but y'all behind the curtain scaring me. Um, somebody about there trying to attack me. <laughs> right? But Jesus, he demonstrates this himself. If you don't know, Jesus, being fully God and fully man, he comes from heaven. He leaves angels worshiping him every single moment of every single day to be what Isaiah says, despised and rejected of men. Isaiah says he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Isaiah says we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Jesus leaves being the most important person in the room to being a baby born in a barn. He embodied the climb to the bottom. And why did he do it? He did it so that through him, we could have a life and have it more abundantly. He did it so that we could have true success. He did it because he looked down and said, they are running themselves ragged trying to get to where they think they need to be. I want to come to get them to where they want to be. He comes to get us to the deepest desires of our hearts, which we might think is pleasing ourselves. No, it's making our Father in heaven happy. It's finally having purpose and love and peace. Jesus comes and he does it all for us. He embodies what it means to serve. Church, my invitation for all of us today is ask God the simple question, what have you given me and how do you want me to use it? I will tell you one way he wants you to use it is to serve those around you. Often success for many of us can look like being as far away from everybody else's problems as possible. It can look like being completely insular. It can look like avoiding all of the mess of the world and avoiding everyone else's mess. If success is venturing to the bottom, it includes venturing into other people's mess. It includes loving someone enough to be there with them at their lowest. And it includes when we are at our lowest, welcoming people in. Success isn't being impenetrable. Success isn't being perfect. Success is realizing that I'm going to sit in the engine room with God and I'm going to let him tell me where to go because I trust him enough to get me to a better place. Success is freeing when we embrace God's reality. When you don't have to be in charge of your own life, it is freeing. Are you exhausted from making your own decisions? Are you, do, you, do you have decision fatigue? Do you, just, do you just have so many things to worry about, so many things on your table that you're just anxious? Jesus says, give it to me and I will give you what you need to do in life. 
The message of Christianity isn't join Greenhouse Church. The message of the gospel is Jesus wants to come into your suffering and help you deal with it. It's not being perfect. It's not being sinless. It's walking with him as we go through all of the stuff. And the beauty of his definition of success is if as you're rowing to his beat, you become exhausted, he gives you a blanket, something to eat, and he tells you to lay down. His definition of success doesn't include any form of exhaustion. His definition of success doesn't include burnout because it isn't based on your abilities. So I'll ask you, are you tired of trying to prove yourself? Are you tired of trying to equal what everybody else has for you? Here is the gospel. Jesus came so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I my heart's desire for everyone, for those of us online, for those of us in the room, I want you to be free. I want you to be free of the thing, the monkey on your back that is telling you you have to become something great. I want you to be free. I want you to be free of being graded by academic test scores and that defining your worth. I want you to be free of other people's opinions and that defining your worth. I want you to enjoy your life and enjoy your life to the full in Jesus Christ. So I asked earlier, how do you become successful? You become successful by serving God and by stewarding well the things he has given you. That is how you become and stay successful.